Well, I'm happy to welcome you as we gather as the Christ Journey family once again, not only in Coral Gables and Kindle campus, shout out to Kindle, but across the nation, around the world, as you connect with us through church online. And wherever you are making that connection today, we pray that you will feel your lives in the hands of God. Because listen, there is no greater place to be, but in the hands of God come disappointment or celebration. And today is a celebration day. This is, um, if this is your first time ever with us, thank you for honoring us with your presence, but I need to let you know that this is the culmination Sunday um, that many of our Christ journeyers for days and weeks and months have been praying in anticipation of this very day because this is the culmination day of our Daring Greatly initiative. And on this day, we are going to bring our commitments as we feel God has led us to present them as an act of worship to God toward expanding his mission through all of our campuses. And um, our focus has been on spiritual growth and generosity to advance the kingdom of God across the county and um, enhance the way that we're doing it around the world. But here's the thing, when God wants to grow his kingdom, what we've discovered is that God does it by growing his people, which means that the commitments that we're bringing today are about so much more than money. The commitments we bring represent faith and love that is pushing through fear. And uh, to that end, um, I had a little friend of mine bring to me this gift a few, uh, a few weeks ago. It's, it's a cartoon, hand-drawn cartoon in four frames. The first, the header says, facing our fears or facing your fears, because you remember we started this series with me jumping out of an airplane. Yes, that did happen. If you weren't here for that, then I won't relive it right now. But I'm just telling you it happened. And I was facing my fear. The first frame has me explaining that I'm afraid of heights to some, some uh, inquisitive listener. You know, that's what the question marks are. Second frame has a plane on the runway, third frame, plane in the air with a cloud, right? Final frame, plane above, jumper happy, eyes open, arms open, you know, parachute open, that's a good thing, and coming down, celebrating, no fears got this guy. So I want to say to my friend Mateo, thanks for representing, uh, and thanks for the summary on our Daring Greatly, because here's what we're learning. Daring greatly, we dare greatly as we face our fears, my fear of heights, and push through them anyway and go with God. And so I guarantee you on the way down, I was saying, God is good, God is good, God is good all the time, God is good. Uh, but facing your fears. So much of spiritual growth, have you learned this? Much of spiritual growth has to do with facing your fears and pushing through them in love. Where do we get that? Well, John wrote, fear or perfect love casts out fear. God's perfect love makes room and then we become more real as we demonstrate our faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. So as we become more real in our faith and more present in our love, guess what? We grow to be kingdom builders. Now what's a kingdom builder? Well, you know, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now how does God bring his kingdom from heaven to earth and have it done 
here as it is being done there? Well, it happens through his people. We're the ones that he raises up to become kingdom builders. How does he do that? Well, as he teaches us how to be faithful in the little things so that he can entrust to us the greater things. And that'll be one of our focuses as we close today. Um, You know, but some of the most popular verses in the Bible are about dispelling fear, about pushing through fear by faith. And I wanna just take one little letter from the New Testament. Maybe you've read it, Philippians, it's only four chapters, you can read it in like 10 minutes. But for many of us, you're gonna recognize one of your life verses, maybe some of your favorite verses in the Bible. But I'm telling you, every one of these pushes against a fear. Like what? Well, like this one, chapter one, verse six. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. What a great truth. What's the fear that it's taking down? The fear of not finishing your journey with God. Have you ever been afraid that you might not be able to hold out? That you might not be able to hold on as you make your walk with God? That this isn't gonna end well? Well, it doesn't depend on you, it depends on him. And the promise here is God will carry it through to completion in you. How about chapter one, verse 21, a little bit farther down. For me to live is Christ, to die, that's gain. What fear is that pushing against? You ever afraid of dying? When you think about it, where do you find comfort? Well, the resurrection of Christ by the spirit who lives in us, that's the fear of death. Ever face the fear of loneliness, the fear of isolation, the fear of being left out, of being disconnected, of not being in community, Philippians chapter two, verse four. Each of you, that's all of us who have that fear, should not only look to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Build the connecting community. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then he describes God's descent in Christ from heaven to earth, becoming a man, then becoming a servant, then going to the cross, then going to the grave, and then God can't leave him there. So he rises from the dead and then sends his spirit because he is now the one who will be worshiped with the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Christ's modeling of unselfishness is the key to victory that overcomes fear. And that was the fear of not being in community that started that whole thing. If you've ever been afraid of loneliness, then this pushes against that fear. How about this? Chapter two, verse 13. You ever been afraid you may not be able to do what God commands you to obey. I don't know if I've got it in me to obey you, Lord. Chapter two, verse 13 says, it's God who works in you, both to will and to act. God will give you the desire, the thought, the desire, empower your choice, that's the ability to will something, I will do this, and then to follow it through in action. So it's not up to you, it's up to Christ in you as you lean into him. Have you ever been afraid that you're not growing fast enough? That maybe I'm growing, but I'm not sure that it's really, shouldn't I be farther along now than I am? Well, amen, I hear you. Philippians chapter three, verse 13. I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. This is Paul, the apostle writing, and he's saying, you know, I don't have it all together yet. I mean, I'm not there yet. I'm still a work in progress, so what do I do? I'm forgetting what's behind and I'm straining toward what's ahead and I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
That pushes against the fear that I'm not growing, doesn't it? How about this? You ever feel helpless in your circumstance, like you're just a victim of circumstance and you don't have the power to change a thing about what's happening around you. It's like you're trapped. Did you know Paul, when he wrote this little letter, he was in jail for his faith? And yet in Philippians chapter four, verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say it again, rejoice. In other words, choose joy. What is that? Pushing back fear in the midst of circumstances that are threatening. What about the fear of fear? (laughs) The fear of worry, anxiety. What are you worried about today? What's keeping you up at night? What's making you anxious? Philippians chapter four, verse six, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God that transcends human understanding will guard your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. Man, talk about pushing through your fear. You ever felt afraid? of the next disruption. So many things are changing in in our world, in business, in the economy right now. You, You ever been afraid of instability, like this crazy roller coaster we're on? Well, listen to what Paul says, Philippians chapter four, verse 12. I know what it is to be in need. Anybody got that one down? I know what it is to have plenty. Oh, there's, okay, need plenty. That's the rise on the roller coaster. And then what does he say? I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. (laughs) He's up, he's down, he's up, he's down, he's in and out. Whether living in plenty or in want, right? And then this one, I can do everything through him who strengthens me. Right here in this little book, that's pushing against fear, isn't it? By faith. In love, how about this one? You ever afraid you won't have enough? I think we're gonna need more. You ever afraid you don't have enough? Listen to this, chapter four, verse 19. My God will meet all your needs, all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, I lean on these all the time. I fight with fear every day. Now, that doesn't sound like a very manly thing to say, does it? Happens to be honest. You know, to admi- I, I have trouble admitting I'm afraid of heights, but I am. You know, I don't want to say I'm afraid of stuff. I want to say I fight fear every day, because I do. That sounds more manly, doesn't it? I fight. I fight. How about you? Do you fight? I fight fear every day. But it's right here in this, these amazing verses, and I bet some of them have helped you push through your fear by faith in love at some time in your life. And I'm saying all these verses in the Bible now forever in our hearts, and here's my question. Do you know how they got there? Do you know why they're in there? Do you know what the occasion was that caused Paul to be so moved that he wrote them down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and we're still celebrating them today? Do you know what it was? I do. It was an offering. It was a financial gift. The church had gathered up an offering It was a giving initiative and it was being delivered to him. He had just received this offering in his ministry while he was in jail. Chapter four, verse verse 18, excuse me, verse 18. I have received full payment. In other words, there's accountability there. The guy that delivered the offering didn't take a cut on the way. 
I've received full payment and more, and I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the financial gifts you sent. The gifts you sent, that's what he's talking about. Do you know what the book of Philippians was written as? It was a thank you note for a financial gift. Is that amazing? While he was in jail. Here's the question. Would we have those verses if they hadn't given those gifts? I don't know. But this letter has encouraged people like me for 2,000 years. See, we don't always see what harvest our seed is going to yield. But God has multiplied it here. Because they gave, we have a thank you note a very short one from Paul with Bible verses in it like this. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. You ever said that? My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Thank God, you know, God used their generosity in the first century to help Paul way back then. And guess what? God is using their generosity in the 21st century, has multiplied its influence to millions of people for now two millennia so far. That's incredible to me, which is also why we're celebrating generosity today. This is our Commitment Sunday. We're celebrating so that we can bring our gifts and our commitments, celebrating God's leadership in our lives so his kingdom can grow, that his kingdom will come in our individual lives. That's why we've asked you to prayerfully consider what is God leading you to do, and then you obey him following that commitment to say, Lord, now would you use us to extend your kingdom for others in our county so that even more hearts and more families can be helped. And so we're giving by faith, in love, pushing through fear, trusting God to be faithful. There's the summation. Faithful to what? Well, the lessons we've been learning as we've been growing, as he's been growing us, here's what we've, we've learned some things that only the generous really know. Lesson number one, that as God grows us to be dare greatly worshipers, then grace generates life-giving generosity. Jacob learned this. Jacob feels the overwhelming grace of God covering all of his sins and meeting him in his mess and restoring him. And he says, you know what? I'm gonna put God first in my resources from now on. And the promise continues. It multiplies. Lesson number two. This was the dare greatly manager talk. And here's what we learned. Receive all God gives, keep all you need, and then what? Share all you can. And uh, we get to practice the epic principles of entrustment, empowerment, and enrichment as we grow to be God's kind of managers and other people benefit in the harvest. Lesson number three, dare greatly warriors. Here we looked at Elijah, the widow, you know, the single mom with her son, and what we learned was, and they were daring greatly, weren't they? But what we learned was, where God guides, God provides. So we were asking, let's ask God, what does he want? What is he guiding us to trust him with? And that's what we're bringing today, trusting him to provide as he guides. And this is a miracle, by the way, that they could taste. Gonna keep food in the cabinet. Lesson number four, dare greatly lovers. When God grows you to be a greater lover, what does he do? Well, he shows us through Mary and her alabaster jar, poured out on Jesus, of course. And there we ask the question, is Jesus a waste? I mean, when you get to the bottom line, is Jesus a waste? 
or is he worth it? And we learned that you can give without loving, but you can't really love without giving. You know, so God has been challenging us and growing us as worshipers and managers and warriors and lovers. And today we come to lesson number five. And this truly is one only the generous will ever really know. It's simply this, you will never outgive God. See, to learn that one, you gotta do it. You will never outgive God. And this is the story of the talents. Matthew chapter 25, beginning around verse 14, I think, and I certainly want to encourage you to read it for yourself and make up your own mind about it. But the story is the master has now divided his talents between three of his servants. Now, a talent is a very high amount of currency in his day. And um, they are entrusted with this. It's kind of entrusted toward empowerment and enrichment that we're seeing it acted out now. But he divides the talents among his servants according to their abilities, not according to their achievements, not according to their track record, according to their abilities. It's potential that is happening here. So no one receives less than they can handle. And the only way to fail is to fail to try. Now, why would you not even try? Well, in the story, it's because either you're lazy, you know, and avoidant, or you don't trust the master, really. And we're going to see that in just a moment. By the way, uh, talent in United States dollars today would have a value of around $1.2 million. So these were not small gifts that were given. You know, one guy got five. That's six million, right? Another one got two. That's two and a half million. And then the, the, the one that just got one, that's 1.2 million. And yet that's the guy who got the least, but he's the one who decided, you know what? I'm just gonna bury this because, and then here's his reasoning. He says, you know, when the master comes back and he asks for accountability, I'm gonna tell him, you know, you're the reason. I know that you're hard and you are demanding. And so I didn't wanna lose any of it, so I just buried it. And I've kept it all right here. And of course he discovers the master, that was not the master's plan for him just to keep that and bury it. It was the master's plan to entrust him that he might empower, be empowered to then enrich as a result of it. And so he lost everything that he'd been given. Now the other two guys, they double what they had been received. And as a result, both of them heard these words. Now, have you ever heard these words before? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I'm gonna put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, sometimes you'll hear that in a funeral. You know, what would you like people saying about you when you die? You wanna hear the Lord say this? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, this is the story that it came from right here. Now, of course, this isn't a story about money. Not really. It uses money, a large amount of currency, as an illustration, as an example. But it's really about what people do or don't learn, what people do learn or don't learn about generosity from generosity. Because in the story, all of these talents are freely given. They're gifts. They didn't earn them, they didn't deserve them, they didn't achieve them, they're just entrusted with these gifts. And they're freely given by the master as opportunities given corresponding to their abilities. Right, isn't that what Jesus said? And then what, what? their response reveals what? Well, what's going on inside of them? 
the character that is at work within each of the servants. And as it turns out, one soul was so shriveled up that he doesn't do anything except complain in fear about how harsh and demanding the master is. He blames the master who gave him the stuff in the first place. It's your fault that I didn't do anything. I mean, read the story, please. But the others turn their gifts into what? Even more. Oh my, they take responsibility, they dare greatly, and they return generously more than what they were given. Is that what the story says? Yes, they double it. And, and then guess what? They give more back to him than he gave to them, and what does the master do? Oh my goodness, he gives them even more. He says, in fact, you've been faithful with a few things, but now I'm gonna put you in charge of many things. Share your master's happiness. What's the point? You can never outgive God. One of our sisters who for years has trusted and served the Lord here, she and her family um, have helped so many at Christ's journey. They went to Nicaragua on our recent mission trip over the spring break and they were, she was telling me about some major answered prayer in her life. Her husband's been out of work for months her hus um, and they've had hard times during that time. She's been helping to make ends meet. She, she said, you know, it's been pretty much check to check, but I've felt virtually invisible to God. That's what she said. You know, like I keep praying, I keep trusting, but you know, it's like I'm not really here and I'm working and praying faithfully, but essentially it's just like check to check. And, and uh, yet she and her son felt led to go on the Nicaragua mission trip, which was expensive, you know, to go there. It's like, man, this is too much money we don't have. It seems impossible. When the response came back to the support letter she sent out, God surprised her. Not only did he provide enough for her and her son to go, but enough for one more student to also go as they would share it with somebody else, which they did. Well, when they got there, that wasn't the only surprise. When they got there, after the ministry was done to the children, there was a prayer time for those who had served. And they were gathered around at this prayer time and a brother in the group, Christian brother, came to this sister and assures her in a personal and special way. Here's what she said. He said, God wants you to know that he sees you and he knows you are the one in the back every Sunday. but he sees everything you do and how you're always seeking him. He talked about the long and difficult financial road they'd been on, this is what she told me, how uh, she'd been carrying the load, but when they got home, that things were going to change, that her load was going to lighten, that, a, that blessings would come. She wasn't exactly sure what to make of it, so when she's talking to her husband that night on the phone, she doesn't tell him. She said, you know, I'll just talk to him when we get back. And so when they got back, sat down, she started to speak and he interrupted her. He said, no, 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 uh, first I have to tell you something first. Yesterday somebody called from out of nowhere and they wanna give us a car. Uh, the Lord put it on their heart yesterday to call us and to give us a car. And then the next day, this is what the sister told me, the next day, her husband's job opportunities opened up and came back online. 
and there they are. You know what? Times of testing come, but here's a truth you can hold on to. You can never outgive God. It turns out this whole talents thing, it was really a diagnostic exercise. An opportunity to show what they're truly made of. That's what's going on, right? And then as it is revealed, then they will be rewarded based on what they are truly made of in their heart. Did you know that a central truth of Jesus' teaching is that this life is not all there is? That you are here, that I am here, that God wants us to trust him here so that we are built into trustworthy servants who can serve him there for even greater things on the other side. That you are an embodied soul, a spiritual being in a material world, given life as an opportunity to respond to God's grace, which is another word for generosity, God's freely given generosity, so that in this life he might, we might grow to be trustworthy so he can use us in the next life. Worshippers, managers, warriors, lovers, kingdom builders, that he can trust in the next life because of what he has entrusted to us in this life. And so for that reason, God has given us relationships, resources, abilities, problem-solving skills, relationships, etc., even the gift of salvation. And uh, all these are expressions of God's multi-million dollar generosity that he pours out, not based on achievement or merit, but generosity. Did you know, according to the United States Census Bureau, the average household income in the United States is around 51,000 per year. Household income, 51,000 a year. Assuming 40 income earning years, the average household would earn $2 million in those 40 years in their lifetime. That sounds like two talent territory, doesn't it? Of entrustment. And then that learning ability linked with all the other gifts of life that have come to us as image bearers of God, those are all part of God's philanthropy that he gives to people who bear his image as an opportunity, an invitation to live larger than this life by the way we give. Not just in meeting material needs, though that's part of it. Jesus said this, you know, even a cup of cold water given in my name will have its reward. It's not about the amount, is it? It's the generosity, it's the attitude. Even a cup of cold water will have its reward. There's material generosity, but there's also emotional generosity. Jesus said the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment, second only to loving God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he said is loving your neighbor as yourself. That involves emotional. I feel certain ways about myself. How do you feel about yourself? Well, you love other people the way you love yourself. That's an emotional, generous, emotional gift, isn't it? But that's what Jesus said is the greatest commandment, to offer emotional connection and love to others. Then there's relational generosity. Peter asked it this way of Jesus. He said, he said, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Seven times? 
Because you know seven, that's like the perfect number. And that sounds pretty generous, doesn't it? Especially in a world where three strikes and you're out. Seven times sounds like generous. Peter's thinking, I'm gonna score high on this one. What does Jesus tell him? No, 77 times. Or actually some translations say 70 times seven. Perhaps a reference to Daniel's prophecy of the 70 weeks that are going to be covering until Christ returns from now till then. He's just saying, hey, just forgive until I get back. That's pretty generous, isn't it? Relational generosity. And, uh, and then before Jesus ascends to heaven, you know, this is our story. Jesus, God pours himself out for us generously on the cross in Jesus Christ, more than covers the penalty of all of our sin, takes it, pays it in full in the grave, overcompensates that he rises. He's too great in love and life to stay in the grave. That's a very generous gift. He rises to the throne and then pours his spirit out upon the world and his church is born. Very generous act of the Holy Spirit. And uh, then in response to that generosity, before he goes to do that, what does Jesus do? You know, they've seen him die and rise, but haven't seen him all the way to heaven yet. He's ascending in front of their eyes. And what does he say? Now guys, don't leave anybody out. That's pretty generous, isn't it? You know, what I gave you right here in Galilee and Jerusalem, I want you to take that to the whole world. Don't stop until you're done. You know, what you're receiving freely, I want you now to freely give. I want you to be so generous with what you've experienced of me and the good news that you don't leave anybody out I mean, everybody at your school, I want them to know. Everybody on your block, I want them to know. Everybody in your business, yeah, I want them to know. Everybody in your county, everybody in the world, you know, you can never tell the wrong person that God loves them in Christ. I want you to learn how to be so generous. Why? So that lives can change, so that failure can be reversed, so that families can be restored. Families like Scott and Shelley Pertigan's. I'm Scott Pertigan, and this is my wife, Shelly, and we have three children, Jake, who's 11, Emma, who's 10, and Jane, who's eight. And so we had been coming to uh, Somerset Gables. Uh, we came over for a uh, early service, and my son saw a flyer for FJ Crew camp. It was a week-long camp, and he went uh, that Monday, and he loved it. And that was really, that FJ Crew and the FJ Crew ministry was really what kind of uh, hooked us and got us coming back because that was the beginning of our real worship experience here. I am currently serving here at Christ Journey on Sunday mornings. Um, I am part of the check-in services. Families come in and we have the kiosks set up and we um, check them in and welcome new families, which has been amazing. I love it. I grew up in the church. Uh, I went to church schools and I always had head knowledge for God and His Word. And I had what I call seat knowledge, which is I went to church and I was a pew member. But it wasn't until 2014 that I really um, gave my heart to Jesus and, uh, and started to develop what I call heart knowledge. What can I tell you about my life before that? Uh, my, the central plot line in my life was fun, okay? I like to have a lot of fun. 
Um, I also worked. Uh, I'm an attorney. Uh, had a successful practice, but um, I was I was really interested in having fun, going to football games, going to the beach, going boating. I had gotten what I call hopelessly demoralized uh, with myself, in my marital relationship, in my parenting, and uh, professionally. I just kind of hit that brick wall, and I ended up going up to Gainesville to, uh, to get some medical help. When I returned to Miami from my treatment in Gainesville, I had a lot of work to do. One of the things I had to do was I had to get past a lot of my anger and my resentments. And how I did that was with the help of Christ's journey and specifically Pastor Bill. And one day we prayed to prayer together about how our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is bigger than the little things I was holding on to. And that he had a bigger plan for me and for my wife and for our family. I don't, I don't need alcohol, I don't need any substances, and what I need is my wife, my children, God's Word, the church, fellowship, and the Holy Spirit to guide me. His decision to give his heart to Jesus has been an amazing um, miracle. I would say that it's a miracle in our lives, for our family, for himself first and foremost. Um, and it's changed our lives. Scott has, has shown me um, through his commitment to our family and his commitment to Jesus that anything is possible. And, um, and he's, he's been such a leader for our family and for our children, you know, um, and for me. You know, I don't want to be in Scott's will. I want to be in God's will. And Christ's journey gives me and Shelly and our family many opportunities to be in God's will, which is to serve His church and serve the people of this city. Christ's journey has been, you know, it's a second home to us now. And um, I just can't imagine, I can't imagine our lives without it. It's been amazing. The friendships, fellowship, the serving, the children's activities, it's just been, it's been a support. It's been heaven on earth. God said, my life hopelessly demoralized. And then did you hear Shelley say, heaven on earth? How do you move from hopelessly to heaven? That's the Christ journey. And it doesn't matter what has broken, what has taken you down and given you the sense of I'm hopeless, it's hopeless, there is no hope. No, no, no. God is big enough and he can take you from hopeless 
to heaven on earth, and that's the Christ journey, and that's why it's worth sharing. That's why we want to enhance the campus and expand to a new site so that others can taste it, and they would see that God is bigger than your problems. God is bigger than your resource challenges. And then we would learn in the process, you know what, you can never outgive God. John Bunyan, who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, the classic work, he, uh, he said this, there was a man, they called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. How does that work? Oh, that's just another way of saying you can never outgive God. See, only the truly generous ever really know that. You could hear it in your head, but until you do it in your life, then you won't know it. But Jesus said there's coming a day when our doing will be revealed. And then on that day, you will discover that even if you give your life to manage the master's stuff, if you give your life to pursue the master's will, if you give your life to risk daring greatly for the master's cause, then here's what you'll discover in that day even greater happiness than you've ever known. And you will be welcomed by these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the little things. Imagine that. This whole life is just little. Well, when you're God, of course it is. God says, you know, that was the little stuff there. But you know what? I have made you for greater things. I have even larger plans in mind. So come and share your master's happiness. What is that gonna be like? Man, I believe in pie in the sky, and I want a piece of it as an eternal kingdom builder. That's what today's talk is about. When I was a student pastor in Oklahoma some years ago, um, we, one significant donor helped us rent a vacant light nightclub and we converted it, called it a light club at the time. And we, it was right on the strip where all the teenagers would drive their cars, you know, Friday and Saturday night. And so we thought, you know, we should not keep the church behind walls. We should be out on the street where the kids are, especially as a student pastor. And so we would have rock bands come in and play and we'd have dramatists come in and do stuff. And we'd just try to get people's attention so we could share Christ with the teenagers of our town. And one night I had the opportunity, I, I don't even remember how it happened now, but but I discovered that William Harvey Jett was available. William Harvey Jett, as some old schoolers will know, was the lead guitarist for Black Oak, Arkansas, a very raucous, rowdy, sex, drugs, and rock and roll band in the 70s. Okay, he was a lead guitarist. At 18 years old, he was playing for hundreds of thousands in stadium uh, arena rock and was bringing in a million dollars a year. And he was on the platform with people like this, Leonard Skinner, Ozzy and Black Sabbath, the Eagles, uh, Bruce Springsteen, you know, some of those names may be a little bit more familiar to you, Kiss, and then he met Jesus. Oh my goodness, everything changed, and he laid his guitar down, because he thought, I've been using that for the devil. And guess when the next time was he picked it up? When he came to play at the powerhouse, light club, that was our student ministry in Oklahoma. I got to play rhythm guitar behind William Harvey Jett. That was intimidating. But, uh, um, but I remember him telling his story that night and saying this, you know, a lot of my friends, when they die, they're gonna leave all their treasure. But you know what, I'm gonna go get mine. I still remember that. And you know where he got that? He didn't come up with that. Jesus said, you really shouldn't be laying up treasure on earth. 
where thieves and moth and rust can take it all away from you. What you need to do is lay it up in heaven because this life is a precursor to that life. And I know that it's been uncomfortable for many of us to even broach the subject that maybe it's been a little fearful for you to talk about money at church. But I gotta tell you this, I think part of that fear comes because this is such a false God and an idol in our land and the demons that protect it, they start getting nervous when we step into this territory and say, you know, that really belongs to God. Where did we get that? Jesus said it. Jesus said, you can't serve God and money. You gotta make a choice here. There are only two choices. You can serve money as your God or you can serve God with your money. Jesus said that. And so what I wanna say to you all of our daring greatly journeyers is that today we're saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord with his money and then watch him change lives. Would you pray with me? Thank you, gracious almighty God, for the mystery and the magnificent gift of life and all of its privileges, all of its opportunities, all of this philanthropic generosity that you have poured out upon us, not because we deserve it or merit it or have achieved it, but because you have freely given it. And we want to be good stewards of not only the material gifts you've given us, the relationships, but also the gospel so that more people can come to you and their lives can be changed. So we thank you for that privilege and we invite your blessing upon every gift and commitment that will be made today, but especially upon those who are going to be starting their spiritual journey with us. And friend, if that's you right now and you want to have a personal relationship with God and are wondering, how do I get started? Then I'm gonna offer a prayer that you can join me in as your first step of faith. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. I'm turning from my way to your way and I receive the gift of your salvation. Now lead me and make me the person you would have me be. In your name I pray. Now our heads still bowed just for a moment, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, can I ask you simply to raise your hand wherever you're seated and keep it up just for a moment so that I can look across the room. And if you're joining us online, there's an orange banner right there that you can click on that will, uh, on the screen, that, you can, that we will pray for you right now as well. Thank you, sir, right here in the front. God bless you. And then, Two rows back, God bless you, ladies. And then in the center toward the middle, God bless you. I'm seeing two more hands back there. God bless you. Over to my far right, about the third row, two, two of you, God bless you. We're praying for the people who are raising their hands, aren't we, brothers and sisters? Lord Jesus, for every person who has raised their hand as a signal that they have opened their heart to you. We pray now that you would bring peace as you promised that would transcend human understanding and that the joy of salvation could start becoming real, as real as your love that will cast out fear. And we make our prayer in your name, amen.